Well, God is good. You know, saints, uh, it's so good to see you all tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness to church. It's such a good thing to come to church and fellowship together, and it's so nice to see you all. You know, I woke up uh, the other morning. Was it this morning? I've been so busy. I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday morning. But I woke up in the morning with a screeching outside, horrible screams and screeching, and, and it was a stunt being you know, harassed by some animal. And I woke up and I took the opportunity. I couldn't fall back to sleep, but I just was on my heart. I started just thinking about the church and how, how, we're, how we are part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, God put us together and we are something bigger than ourselves. We, we tend to think, what is our life? Church is part of our life. But really, God, church is, in our way, our life. Are the brethren that we have together, that we fellowship with, and the Lord really puts you all in my heart. I couldn't stop thinking about you. I couldn't stop praying about you. And you might say, well, that's because of the position you're in. And I'd say, I don't know, maybe shame on me for not doing this earlier in my life. You know, what a blessing it is to realize the church and the family of the God that we have. And, and, and that when we make decisions... We're affecting our brothers and sisters. We don't make decisions for our own desires and self. You can, but you might find you're hurting. You may find you're not helping out as much as you could when you make decisions based on your own nature. What a blessing it is to, to serve the Lord as a family. And I want us to sort of talk about, in a way, what affects our walk with each other, what affects our walk with the Lord, what affects our prayer life, as I have been sharing on. So I want to encourage that. So uh, we'll continue with that tonight. I remember thanking, thanking the Lord. Hey, Lord, I guess I'm thankful that skunk did wake me up that night. The poor skunk doesn't know that might be his final few days on earth. But he took it for the Lord. Woke me up. So I've been sharing right out of 1 Peter chapter 3. So we can go right there, 1 Peter chapter 3. We can directly affect God working in our lives, God responding to us in our prayer life, God working amongst us. We can affect that. You can make decisions that affect how God works in your life. And the blessings that you have, and maybe even the cursings that come upon you, if, you, if I can say that word. I think I can. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, we know this verse, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Again, I'll reiterate this again and again, that the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I feel the Holy Spirit keeps putting this on my heart, that the eyes of the Lord are on those who are righteous. I want to remind you, saints, the eyes of the Lord are watching you. We don't live on an island unto ourselves. The eyes of the Creator, Jehovah, are on you. What are you representing? The eyes of Jehovah are on you. If you call yourself a Christian, if you've been born again, if you accepted the, the fact that you have, our, you have sin in your heart and you have asked for forgiveness and asked Jesus to come into your life and be Lord and Savior of your life, do you know what you just did besides heaven? Eternity awaits you. You just turned Jehovah towards you. 
Now he's watching. He's watching. The ears of the Lord are listening. They're hearing. They're hearing your conversation. Is the scripture false? Is the scripture not true? Was Peter blinded by his own ambition to write his own book? Like people today are, I want to write a book. Or is it, did he write this book inspired of the Holy Spirit? Like how we should write books today, inspired of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, the ears of the Lord are open to prayers, to your conversation, to your petitions, to him. What is your prayer life like? Does the Lord hear you? You have called out to him to save you. Respond to me, Jesus. He responded to you. Now he's listening. How many thank yous can you give him? How many worship songs can you sing to him? Endless praises we say in songs that we sing. Are we given those endless praises? He's listening. He's waiting. It says, the one who does evil, the Lord's face is against them or opposite them. It's away from them. It turns away, which tells me that the righteous person, the Lord's face is with them. The Lord has turned towards them. The Lord is with them, not opposite them, next to them, facing them, turning to them. And I talked about this last time. You know, the one who does evil, the Lord is not always watching them. Sometimes the Lord just lets them go into their sin, into their selfishness, into their own desire. Sometimes his ears aren't always open to them. Sometimes his face isn't always towards them. We know God is always there, right? We know God hasn't left them. We know a a call out to God, forgive me, help me. I made a mistake. God's there. He's merciful, no doubt. He's a call away when we make a mistake. He's a call away when 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 we have separated ourselves from him through sin. But there's something about how God responds to the righteous heart that just has grabbed my attention. Those who are doing their best to serve the Lord, those who are doing their best to serve a righteous life, God is in your corner. He has your back. He's looking to hear from you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to start sharing his will for you, his desire for your life. He wants to start sharing that with you. It's his desire to communicate right from the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Wasn't it God's desire to meet with them and talk with Adam and Eve? This is his desire of human beings. How exciting and how awesome it is that we have that opportunity. The question is, are we taking full advantage of those opportunities? Are you taking full advantage of those opportunities? As we seek the Lord for his will to be done in our lives, I also want to seek the Lord for his will to be done in this church, among us, in this congregation. We talk a lot about what the Lord can do for us and how he's forgiven me and how he's changed my life and how he's put my career on such a path and how he's given me the opportunity. But what about our church? Let's not forget what the Lord's done for our church. And he always called all of us together to be a unified body for a purpose, for his will to be done in this community. Let's not forget about this, saints, that his ears can be open to our church's prayers, that his eyes can be watching what our church is doing, that he can turn his face towards our church and communicate with us 
and respond to us. It's so awesome, isn't it, saints? I prepare this word and I, I get so excited. I'm so happy that Jehovah, creator of all things, is in our corner. What a corner man we have. What a man we have when we go out into the ring to fight. What a corner man we have. He's, not, he, he's given us things that are going to be successful. He's not just streaming out commands. He's streaming out purpose. He's streaming out will. Amen? What a God we serve. Hallelujah. I hope you're excited when you think about God in that way. It's an awesome blessing to serve the God that we have. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord all the time. Thank you for putting me in a saved family. Thank you for putting me in a godly church. What an advantage I had. Who, do, who am I to deserve such a thing? But he did it. You know what? I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to do my best to say thank you, Jesus, for putting me here. I want to do my best to show you I'm thankful. And in return, guess what? I'll show the, my pastor I'm thankful. I'll show my elders I'm thankful. I'll show my parents I'm thankful. I'll show all of you I'm thankful. How? By showing God I'm thankful. By doing God's will, all those other things are covered. All those things are taken care of by simply doing God's will. You cover a multitude of issues when you just do God's will. What a blessing it is doing God's will. And I want the same for this church body, saints. I want nothing to hinder God from looking at us. God from watching over us. God from listening to us. You know what that takes? Responsibility from all of you. All of you to maintain godliness in your life. To maintain wholesomeness in your life. To walk with integrity. To be steadfast. To have purpose in your heart for this community, for God's will to be done. Hallelujah. What a blessing it is. In the past couple of meetings, I talked about how sin in your heart, just sin that's not taken care of, sin that you commit, affects God's relationship with you. Sin needs to be dealt with. Sin prevents God from working in his fullest in your life and in this church. We can't have sin reigning in our midst. I understand we all make mistakes. I get it. I'm talking about sin that you're not forgiven of, that you continually hold on to. We have to let it go. And we have to try not to make mistakes. It's okay to try to not make We don't have to say, I'm human, I make mistakes. How about saying, before I, Christ, I was human and made mistakes. Now that I'm with Christ, I do my best to be faithful to him. Amen? We talked also about selfishness. How selfishness, serving yourself, praying about only things you care about, doing things only you want to do, having the desires fulfilled only for you, how that can actually hinder God's will, God's relationship with you, God's relationship with this church. Even on Sunday morning, we looked at the Jews in Jerusalem. They were shouting Hosanna, prayers towards Jesus, but they were being selfish. They wanted freedom from their own oppression. We see that Jesus did accept their praise and adoration. Well, I guess I should say this. He didn't stop them from praising him, right? But he also didn't quite respond to them either. He didn't stop and shake their hands as we've talked about. Jesus deserves our praise. 
It wasn't a surprise to him that he was being praised. He's God. God deserves the praises of men. We should always praise him. But I also think he did not stop because of their selfish ambition. He knew their hearts. He knew really what they wanted. It wasn't him that they really wanted. It was their own desires to be fulfilled that they wanted. We have to be careful that our time spent praying and worshiping our living God is not just for praying that our own wills get fulfilled. That, Lord, take care of me in my corner and that's it. Everyone else, you do the same thing and we'll just be separate and we'll see what happens. Who does the Lord respond to? No, saints, we have to be careful to say, Lord, touch the body as you see fit. If it's me, you'll touch, hallelujah. If it's someone else, you'll touch, go for it. Lord, use whoever you can to further your will in this, in this life. Amen, saints? Our time, I want to encourage us that our time spent praying should be focusing on God's will being done. God's will being done. Nice reminders tonight, amen? That Jesus is glorified in this earth. That we can receive the Holy Spirit. The overfilling of the Holy Spirit. That we can have gifts the gifts the Holy Spirit brings. Are we praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Are we praying that the gifts of the Holy Spirit fall on someone? Lord, just use someone here. Use me if you have to. Use someone here that your gifts can fall and that your name can be glorified. You know, it's interesting to me as I meditated on this word, there's unbelievers and there's believers that can struggle with faith. It's interesting. Believers can struggle with faith. Unbelievers can struggle with faith. Tonight, I want to talk to you about unbelief. How unbelief can hinder God from working in your life. How unbelief can stop God from turning his face towards us, towards our church. Well, we don't want that. Amen, saints? We want God with us and for us in our corner, as I said. For the unbeliever, sometimes they just don't know what they don't know. How awesome God is. God sometimes, maybe, sometimes maybe, God maybe hasn't revealed himself to them like he has to us. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a position God has taken. Maybe their understanding is a little bit darkened. They need to be made full about the, who God is and, and what God came here for. And they just lack faith about it. They have unbelief. This is why they're called unbelievers. They don't have faith about who God is and what he can do in their lives. Amen, saints? But for the believer, unbelief, a lack of faith in God, oftentimes starts long before they turn away from God or a sin is committed. Oftentimes for the believer, the walk of faith, as we know, is no bed of roses. As they say, there's ups and downs. There's struggles, there's successes. This life itself can seem to challenge our faith. Living in 2022 alone can seem to challenge our faith sometimes. But oftentimes we find that these things of unbelief start as small little issues. A discouragement here. An unanswered prayer there. A death of a loved one not understood over here not understanding how a situation was dealt with over there. 
taking a perceived step out in faith and not seeing the outcome that you thought would happen. These little things that hit, a, hit you a little bit, hmm, you begin to wonder. This is from a believer standpoint. It can stem from us not using our faith like we should. Our walk with Christ becomes more religious than it does active. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Going to church. Why? Because that's when we have church. Well, that's religion. That's religion. Why are you going to church tonight? That's when we have church. I go to church when we have church. Why do you bring your Bible? The pastor tells me to bring my Bible. That's religion. That tells me Jesus hasn't talked to you in a while. Jesus hasn't worked on you in a while. Going to church, you realize, I'm going to church to meet Jesus. The Bible says if two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. One, two, three. He's already there in the midst of us. We're gathered in his name. If you want, I've always shared this. If you want to go to a place where Jesus is on a certain night, if two or three are gathered in his name, like we are here, he's going to be in the midst of us. That's why I always say, boy, if I have the opportunity, if I'm not sick, if I'm not busy working, I'm going to be at church. Why? Because Jesus is in the midst of those people. I want to be where Jesus is. Where is he tonight? Uh, the Bible tells me he's at church. Two or three people gathered in his name, he'll be right there in the midst of them. Hallelujah. But if we don't see that, if we don't feel that, our faith becomes religion. That's a step towards unbelief. In these areas, that seed of the areas I just talked about, there can be a seed, a discouragement, a frustration, a not understanding a situation, a hope deferred, religion. It's a seed that the devil can use for unbelief. We have to be careful, saints. You can turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. How am I sounding okay in the back? Good, thank you. So quiet tonight, saints. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Paul is, well, the writer of Hebrews will say, is, is speaking to Christians, brothers and sisters. See to it. Make sure that none of you has a sinful heart, unbelieving, that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We are here today. I want to take advantage of the scripture and encourage you, don't let unbelief seep into your heart. We're here today. Paul says, brothers and sisters, you see saints... What's important about serving the Lord together is we all have an opportunity. Let me rephrase that. We all have a responsibility to each other. Yeah, it is true. Some of us like privacy. But you know what? In the Christian camp, we have a, we have a, uh, we have a responsibility to speak up. When we have a brother or sister who's struggling, who's maybe stepping towards unbelief, Paul reminds us, brothers and sisters, 
Don't let that heart slip into unbelief and turn away from the living God. Take it with sobriety, saints. Young people, think about your service to the Lord. Oh, I want to know what the Lord wants me to do. Here's an opportunity that you can write down. The Lord wants me to speak out to my brothers and sisters who are struggling in faith. That's the Lord's will for you. Be an encouragement to them. Paul says here, I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews says here, a sinful heart equals an unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart equals a heart that has turned away from God. As one of the pastors here, I really have a strong on my heart to encourage this body to fight against losing faith in God. Saints, don't lose faith in our Creator, in our Lord and Savior. Don't have an unbelieving heart. Don't let sin creep into your heart to cause it to be unbelieving. Unbelief is a sinful heart. We don't want unbelief in our midst. Amen, saints? Unbelief. Let me share this. Unbelief, and I'm talking about unbelief towards God. Unbelief towards God and godliness. Unbelief in its truest form is an issue of disobedience. Did you know that? Unbelief, if, where the rubber meets the road. Unbelief, not having lack of faith in what God can do in your life. Having lack of faith in who God is having lack of faith in the promises that he has given you, well, I don't know if God will do this for me. Well, who am I that God would do that for me? You're stepping towards a line of unbelief. God can do anything. God can do all things. This is the heart of a, of a Christian. This is why Jesus says, count all joy when you have persecution. Why? Because God will take care of you. Being persecuted is not the worst-case scenario. Having an unbelieving heart is worse. Amen, saints? Unbelief, the real or actual issue, is disobedience. It's amazing to think that when we doubt or have lack of faith in our Christian walks, at any point in our Christian walks, the issue could stem from a disobedient heart. My heart isn't in the right spot. I'm not obeying the Lord like I should. I seem sobering, I know. It is sobering, but that's what I'm here for. To remind you that this is sobering. To remind you that when you start thinking, ah, whatever, it's not worth it anymore. God still loves me, it's not worth it. I just gotta go somewhere on my own. That type of heart is stepping towards unbelief. God does care. God's promise is true. In John chapter 16. John chapter 16. This is Jesus speaking. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Thank God he sent us a helper. Amen. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgments, of sin because they do not believe in me. 
Look at what Jesus said here in verse 9. The unbelief towards Jesus, Jesus is speaking, the unbelief towards himself was the prime reason or the main sin that the Holy Spirit was sent to come here for. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is saying, the reason I, one of the reasons I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you is because of unbelief. One of the reasons, judgment, what does he say? Judgment, righteousness, and sin. Wow, judgment and righteousness, hey, righteousness seems cool. Judgment, I guess it depends on what side of judgment you fall on. But sin, yuck. But Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you to combat sin. Well, what's the sin? Jesus says in verse 9, thus of sin because they do not believe in me. Wow. The Holy Spirit has come. One of the prime reasons the Holy Spirit is here, saints, is to combat unbelief in our hearts. If you're having doubt in your hearts, can I encourage this? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, give me your spirit. It's a helper to me. Help me to overcome. Help me to combat my unbelief. I'm not sure about this situation. I have some doubts in my heart. I don't know what to do. It doesn't say salt. It doesn't say think about that bad situation over and over and over and over again. It says no. Reach out to the Holy Spirit. Amen, saints. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray to God that you have the Holy Spirit overflowing in your heart if you don't. One of the many blessings of the Holy Spirit being on you is to prevent unbelief in your life. Hallelujah. Jesus, speaking in oaths in Matthew chapter 5, said this, Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. For whatever, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. A person that says yes, yes, or no, no, they have their mind made up. If I ask you tonight, are you serving the Lord with all your heart? Yes, yes. Amen? It's a yes, yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes, yes. Do you want to do everything you can to have God's will in your life? Yes, I do. You better believe I do. It's not, I think so. I'm trying. You know, when I was first married, but our scene caught me at a, at a lack of thinking. My own pastor we were, I think we were sitting around a fire at camp, and I was first married. He said to me, Ben, how, how's it going? I said, so far, so good. He didn't like that. <laughs> you see, his heart was, no, it's not maybe, Ben. It's yes, yes. This is the best thing that's happened. I love it. My wife is incredible. She's awesome. Everything about it, you know, the fire there. In your heart, the fire is about Jesus. When anything comes to Jesus, hey, do you want to sin? No! No! Why? Because Jesus, yes! Do you see the difference? It's a heart full of faith. There's no room for unbelief. Do you want to hear this rumor? No! No! Why? Because it might affect my brother or sister. Jesus! I want to help them. I want to help them. Do you see it, saints? Do you see how unbelief can easily set in your heart? The Holy Spirit can help you combat that. You being devoted 
making a decision from a young age, even, to say, yes, yes, about Jesus, will help combat unbelief in your heart. One of the most pinpoint definitions of sin is found in Romans chapter 14, verse 23. We can turn there. It's pretty... Talk about a direct point of what sin is. You probably know the scripture by heart. You might not know the chapter or verse, but as soon as you read it, you'll be like, oh yeah. Romans chapter 14, verse 23, as, as Brother Brian says, part B of that verse is Paul wrote, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. These words seem to penetrate right to the heart of the matter. And they do. They go right to the heart of the matter. The root of all sinful actions, the root of sinful attitudes, is failure to trust in God. In other words, unbelief. Unbelief, that you're not believing who God is, who he says he is. Maybe you don't fear God for the power that he holds, for judgment. Maybe you don't praise God for what he can give you in righteousness. Or maybe you just let sin reign in your heart. You're not thinking about all that God can do. This can seem very daunting, this scripture. You mean whatever, everything, anything that stems not from faith is a sin? I'll let you meditate on that. To think that an act or attitude or behavior which stems from lacking trust in God is a sin, no matter how moral it may appear to men, that's real. No matter how good it looks, if it's not done in faith, it's a sin. I'll let you think about that. I can say that this, that this tells us even more that God does not look at outward appearances. God does not care about outward appearances so much as he cares about what the heart of you is doing. What is your heart tonight? Is your heart full of faith about Jesus? Is it full of faith about your Christian walk? It is it excited for the opportunity to be used by Jesus, even in a young age, even in an older age? What witness would I have today from the Lord as I go out shopping? I'm excited. What am I going to get when I open the scripture today and start reading it? I'm excited. Lord, as I pray tonight, who are you going to put on my heart to reach out to? I'm stoked. This is so exciting. The Lord's working through me to help others. This is what we can do. This is a heart full of faith. In Romans 14, the scripture we read, Paul was talking about vegetarians and carnivores. Veggies versus meats. Paul was outlining to the Romans that sin cannot simply or appropriately, maybe as a better word, be defined in terms of, be, of behavior, like eating or drinking. Instead, sin needs to be defined by its root. The root of sin is deeper than loving your brother or sister in Christ. In terms of behavior, the root of sin stems from disobedience, saints. I'm going to hammer home this point. The root of sin in your heart stems from a lack of unbelief. This is why unbelief hinders your relationship with God. It's disobedience. It's a sin. This brings me to Mark chapter 11, which I, which I shared on, on Sunday. 
and we'll stay here for the rest of the night. I told you on Sunday that when we came across the story of the fig tree, that it would be shared for another time. I had it on my heart to share it for this time. It says in Mark chapter uh, 11, as we're reading, you, I just shared on this, so hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you haven't forgotten so quickly. <laughs> but such is life. But in Mark chapter 11, I shared that there was, there's, there's Jesus in the temple, right? And like I said, Jesus went to the heart of the city to inspect the temple, and Jesus saw evidence of unbelief there. There was more that Jesus saw than just the temple, saints. It says that evening, the temple, you know, it doesn't say this, but I, I, I thought about it. That evening when Jesus approached the temple was probably uh, busy. Maybe there was cleaning things up. It was evening time. Maybe they were picking up things. They were organizing things. They were, maybe there were people decorating the temple for whatever reason. But Jesus saw something else, amen? It says in, in verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Have you ever been told something after a long day and it's just too overwhelming to deal with that day? You're like, what? I'll deal with this tomorrow. I'll deal with this tomorrow. I have a feeling Jesus felt that way a little bit. Walked in, saw the temple, and was like, ah, I just walked so many miles. I'm tired and hungry. I'm going to deal with this tomorrow. That's what I felt. And Jesus did deal with it tomorrow. Look at verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. He spoke to the tree like a human being. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again, tree, Mr. Tree. And the disciples heard it. It's always interesting to think about the figs not being in season. I think this probably is more talked about in these groups of scriptures than anything else. I mean, it's obviously true, according to Mark, that it was, wasn't fruit season yet. Mark said it. It says in verse 13, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So Mark knew that it wasn't the season for figs. Can I remind you that Jesus created trees? I think Jesus knew it wasn't the season for figs. I don't think it was a surprise to Jesus that, I mean, the creator, as Brother Brian says, knows his creation. The creator knows the dates and times when things should be bringing forth bud, flowers, and fruit. It wasn't a surprise to Jesus that there was no fruit on here. So oftentimes we think that the biggest thing in the scriptures is why did Jesus go to this tree that had no fruit when there was, wasn't supposed to be fruit on it? I like the end of verse 14. I think the big thing here is the end of verse 14. And the disciples heard it. That was the big teaching point here. Jesus said something out loud, did something that was obviously on it. Yeah, there's no fruit on the tree. Yeah, he did something so the disciples would hear it. 
Jesus intended his disciples to see and hear something because he wanted to teach them a lesson they desperately needed to hear. They desperately needed to know. It was like a living parable. It was a parable unfolding before their eyes. That now we're reading today. How awesome Jesus is. That even today, he can give you a living parable. Amen, saints? Keep serving Jesus. We know he enters the temple. We talked about this already. Let's jump down to verse 20. And now in the morning, so again, another day went by. As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. You see, saints, Peter saw and heard Jesus. He saw Jesus inspect and look over the tree and search the branches for fruit. He saw the outward, natural thing that Jesus did. The day before, he saw Jesus look over the temple, inspect the temple, looked at what the temple had and what it didn't have. Jesus saw the outward, natural response of Jesus. He saw Jesus cleanse the temple, purge the temple disrupt the temple. He saw Jesus later that day teach and do miracles in the temple. He saw the outward nature of what Jesus was doing. And now Peter witnessed this fig tree, cursed. And now he sees the curse come true, all withered up. In verse 21, it's almost like Peter is amazed. Rabbi, look at the tree you cursed. It really, it really withered up. It really dried up. He's on, it's like an OMG moment, right? OMG, exclamation point, exclamation point. The emoji with the face like, OMG, that's Peter. If he had a cell phone, he'd be texting all of us. He was amazed by the natural appearance of things. Sometimes in the Christian life, the life Jesus demands of us can seem overwhelming, unbelievable. The commands the Bible gives, like to wait for things. You might think, I have to do that? To forgive. I have to forgive before someone who has offended me. Count it joy when you're persecuted. The outward can be so hard to believe. It's like Peter was saying, Jesus, what you said really happened. The temple thing. I can't do that. I could never go into a temple and purge it out like you did, Jesus. I couldn't go to a tree and the tree that wasn't producing fruit for me curse. That's unbelievable. I could never do those things. You know what, saints? Jesus didn't ask us to do those things. How do I know? Look at verse 22. Jesus said to them, have faith in God. This was Jesus' answer. Peter, oh my gosh, look at the stuff you did. You, what you did was amazing. You, I, the, the, the fire in your belly to turn over the temple. Oh, the, the curse, the tree. The tree actually withered up. Oh my gosh, look at all these things you're doing. What are we supposed to do? Have faith in God. I love it. It just really makes my life simple as a Christian. How do I witness? How do I preach the Bible? How do I read my Bible? How do I pray? How do I love my brother who hates me? Hey, hey. Time out. Take it easy for a minute. Let Jesus do those things. You have faith in God. You have faith in God. Stand in your faith. Stand in your walk with God. Stand in your relationship with Jesus. Jesus, I love this too. 
Peter responded, but the Bible says Jesus answered them. He answered them all. See the call for all of us, saints? The call for all of us. Everyone who's listening online, if we're doing that tonight, welcome, by the way. And all of us who are sitting here tonight, can I encourage you? Have faith in God. What are you struggling with tonight? What is on your heart tonight that's so big, that seems so daunting, that seems so impossible, that seems like I can't do it? I don't know what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. This thing's coming up in my life. I don't know how to deal with it. Can I encourage you? Take a breath. Pray. And then go out and have faith in God. Do you trust God that he has your back? Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your time with us. Help us to have faith in you, Lord. Unbelief is a sin, Lord. We don't want to have unbelief in our hearts. We want to have a hearts full of faith. Lord, help this church to be a church known for its faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great night, saints.